Welcome back to I Hate the News, and I believe Sarah has something to tell you. This fucking guy. (laughs) (laughs) He went straight for it. With him right now, because (laughs) when we were planning season two, he was like, you know, I have a lot of projects going on right now. Like, can you produce the show like can you do everything kind of on your own and I was like yeah totally and he was like because I know sometimes you get a bit lazy that's literally what he said to me (laughs) which is nothing never mind you know what he's right this guy is right so I sat down and I planned out this beautiful fucking document and I planned out all the way through next year did I not tell the people you did but But, okay, wait, we'll we'll get back to that. Continue. And I know you, so I left enough wiggle room for you to be spontaneous and off the cuff. And every other week, we're supposed to do a different thing. Absolutely. No disagreement there. And uh, then last week, (laughs) you just go AWOL. And I was like, you know what? That's fine. No, there was a reason. I told you there was a reason. He had a reason. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, let's do it the next day. Didn't happen. And then today... I'm like, this morning, we, or last night we talked, and then this morning we talked again. I was like, we are recording at 11. At 11.13, I get a text, hey, how's your day going? Yeah, as in, can we record now? No. And then... <laughs> and then Damn, I tried to say that. <laughs> I called you. Nobody answers. I get another text that was like, hey. And I just send a side eye emoji, and then suddenly you cl- it clicked with you with my fucking side eye emoji, that you were in trouble. <clears throat> and what's funny is I didn't even realize why. <laughs> I just checked. I'm like, oh, I must have missed a call. <laughs> you called? And I was like, oh, my God. Is this how your producer feels? Like, is this how Martin feels when he's trying to, like, get you to focus? <laughs> hey, I'm pretty good, usually. I, uh, I'll like, just own up to... <laughs> I fucked up. Yeah, okay. <laughs> 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 Now that you've calmed down a little. Yeah, no. I'm good. <laughs> okay, I had good. two and a half minutes. I'm good. We're moving on. Now that the world knows. Yeah, now that the world knows what I have to put up with behind the scenes. <laughs> and now getting back to your, like, I planned this whole thing, so on. I remember texting you and being like, no, you texted me, but the, I hate the news. And I was like, well, have you done the thing yet that you said you were going to do? The document? And you're like... And then I don't hear from you for 10 minutes, and then you come back with, yep. <laughs> Listen, but that thing got done, and it was beautifully done. In 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Like, honestly, that just goes to show you what I can accomplish when I, like, commit myself to, like, doing and, something for 10 minutes. And hours. this entertaining podcast shows you what I can accomplish when I do things last minute. True. We're each other's yin and yang. Exactly. Oh, uh, man. My face hurts from laughing. Good. <laughs> uh, how you been? I've been good. I've been good. I've just been writing a lot. And that's really the main reason that I've been, like, a little, you know, scattered. And I don't even know what day it is. You know? 
Yeah, I'm coming up to Toronto this week, and you were like, so uh, what What day are you coming? When are you coming to visit? Like, what's going on? And I was like, literally tomorrow. Like, literally And you tomorrow. explain it every couple of days, and then I'm just like, I totally don't realize what day it is. Because when you go into a writing, like, tunnel, it's just like day, night, day, night, day, night, and you don't realize what's going on. Yeah. And that's, that's really what happened. I'm just like, I got a bit scattered, and probably not a good time to be scattered because we're doing the podcast and you're coming down. Exactly. But I also mm-hmm. know, like, I think when you work creatively for as, like together as long as we have, mm-hmm. um, you know how the other person works. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I knew I knew I knew you wouldn't be upset or anything like that. Or even now, like when you when I called I saw the sideways face emoji, I was like, She's not upset, she's like annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> that's as that's as bad as it gets. Yeah. I just let you shame yourself, you know? Like, yeah. I'm good at. yeah, I felt bad too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've been writing and just trying to get a few things done before you come down. And also, um, uh, we're building that place up north. I think I've talked about it a couple times. Yeah, the, the, just the, hinted the, at it. It's yeah. like we're building a specific. Hmm? It's like your production studio, like your studio. Yeah, like we're building a facility up there for post post production. Maybe eventually, even you know, um, actually like a studio where you can film things. So I went up there uh, yesterday mm-hmm. and checked it out just to see the progress. Like it's almost done, and it looks amazing. And I'm, like, super excited about the future, getting in there and just, like, starting to work. Yeah. Cranking out projects. Now, the only thing we need now is we just got to get some machines in there, like, computers and stuff. Yeah. Which is a little bit of, a, like, investment. Right. So, yeah, that's all it is. Like, that, that's what, I, what I've been doing this week is just figuring all this stuff out. What's crazy to me is, like, I saw that space, like, years ago when it was you, just Yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. And then I saw it, like, once it started to be built. And then, um, and then one more time, like I think at the beginning of like I saw it in like the summer, right? Yeah, and I was like, okay, yeah, even for, blown yeah. away what it looked like at last October. And then when well, I saw the videos that you had sent yesterday, I was like, holy mm-hmm. hell, like looks so. Well, good. what uh, what you saw that last time? Yeah, that's what I had seen. Okay. So I hadn't been up there. I, I just I just let them work, and then when I when I when I went up and I saw like it being finished, now I was stunned again, like. Like I, you know what I mean? Like that much had been, had been accomplished in that time. So when yeah. you come, you're going to get the same thing. But anyways, you're probably boring the hell out of people. Um, <laughs> but yeah, building this facility up north, it's going to, I think in the next six months or so, people are really going to start uh, realizing what's going on because we'll start cranking out things. Yeah. So much yeah, of, that's like, what gonna... of creating is like background. Mm-hmm. I think that like, one of the the main problems we're seeing with, I don't know, the art communities that have kind of popped up online is mm-hmm. that there's this constant push to uh, create content all the time. Yeah. And it doesn't Which I'm withdrawing you, from. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people are. You to be like, one, like a human fucking being with like needs. And also it doesn't allow for the fact that like, sometimes there's like a lot of like, uh, there's like a framework and groundwork and in your case like physical well it's, we, we always talk about infrastructure like yeah. me and martin always talk about infrastructure you, you in order to get bigger projects do bigger things you need to be ready to take that stuff on you can't just take that stuff on with like a laptop in your basement you know yeah. like i know that's like the myth everybody's got a laptop now and they can do anything yeah they can but if you really look at people's work what they're doing like the scope isn't that big yeah you know and when you start doing professional big stuff where you're like you know having to put CG in and like really deliver on time and make it look amazing and stuff. You need like 
a few computers and things like that, you know? Yeah. And it's called infrastructure. So, which I think a lot of people don't think they, I, I think, you know, how you said that, like, we were both just saying how you were withdrawing from this, like, constant barrage of content. Yeah. Even making it. Yeah. I think what happened is this last few years or so, it was kind of like a gold rush. You know what I mean? Like, like <clears throat> everybody thought that, like, oh, everybody's making money. You look around, people are making money. So everybody's running there to do it. Yeah. You know, and then what happened is the gold rush is kind of over. Like, it, it's more now there's like there's actual avenues where you can go and like make money, you know, with yeah. films and video and so forth. But because of that gold rush, there was so much junk that got made. Mm-hmm. And the last, like, I'd say five years or so, like, it's been really hard to like wade through and find out what's good, what's not. Yeah, what's worth. And I think people are fed up with it. So they're going back slowly to like, actually taking their time and making things that mean something and matter so they stand out well and also just not making like i actually hate the word content me too i I was thinking about that yesterday um it's just like please just make fucking art if that means you have to like yeah it takes weeks or months or fuck even takes like a few years in between please just make art i don't want Mm -hmm. you like slap bang to put together content like please i think we're all realizing exactly that yeah I, I think I tweeted this morning where I was like, I don't want content. I want like transcend, transcendental cinematic experiences. <laughs> but like, that's what we got into it for. Like a transcendental experience. That's all. Nothing yeah. But, but I mean, when you, when you, when you went to the movies, when you were young or you read a great book, that's what happened. Yeah. You disappeared into it. But now what we're getting is just this stuff where it's like, Hey, this will take up your time. And then you just sit there and you just like binge on it. And yeah, it's good. But like, what did it do to my soul? You know, it's also the idea that like, you're not relevant if you're not like pushing stuff out all the time. Exactly. And I think that's a mistake too. Yeah. That makes me want to die because like, you know, it's really proven that's not true though. I think it's got a lot of people to reconsider is uh, Donald Glover. Mm, Like with This is America, he put this one thing out that was so well thought out more than anybody's thought about any thought about anything in, in the music industry in a while, you know? Yeah, and like, and and he puts this thing out, and like, yeah, it was a zeitgeist and all that, but people noticed the quality. Yeah, and this I think it's always impeccably done. Yeah, and this one was 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 at that level, and it was um, and it's not like he was putting out songs every week or every month or anything like that. He just put out this one thing, like months apart from whatever else he was doing, and people noticed. So it's not really about just putting stuff out all the time. Yeah, I think I think that people are realizing that like it's not sustainable. Also, mm-hmm. yeah, um, you just you, burn you, out. you just can't. Yeah, you can't work like that. Nobody works like that. I think it's a good uh, exercise, but it's not something. Like I look at like I don't know if you follow Casey Neistat or Neistat. Uh, no. He's a blogger, so he he started this thing of blogging every day. He's one of the first. Mm-hmm. And then you know now everybody does it, and he got big because he was doing it every day. Every every day, everybody's watching to see whether or not he would keep it up. And he kept it up for right. like a year or so, right? Yeah. And he did it, so he's like he's literally the biggest guy in the vlogging sphere, you know? Right. And and um, but I don't know if it's I don't know if anybody else notices, but when I watch his stuff like recently, the last like you know year or so, like it it just looks like this dude running in a hamster wheel trying to get views. Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem like, like, none of it seems, like, super authentic. I mean, it is, but it's still, you know, you know how everything's staged, right? Yeah. It's staged, but it just feels like he's, I hate to say this, but he, he seems like he's, like, you know, running off of speed and coke or something, you know? 
Like, just got to keep doing this. Got to keep making money. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have, I have an artist, uh, like, crush slash online pal who um, does a 100-day project every single year. And last year she did paintings and she, like, has always, like, really sang the praises of, like, how um, great of an experience it was for her. Mm-hmm. And then this year she decided to do, like, 100 days of blogging because I think, like, like I have an old live journal from, like, 2004, you know, like, back when, like, blogging was, like, first coming out. And I think a lot of us who did are a little bit nostalgic for blogs, you know. Right. Like, I'm going to try it. And... She did it, and she said she was glad she did it, but it didn't give her the satisfaction because she, like, couldn't do, I think, these deep dives like you're talking about. Okay. Where, like, you can really dive into something because if you're just blogging and putting out content every day, like, that's... that's right. Crazy. You don't have time to really consume and, like, digest and think about something. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm... Th- I mean, I feel like that. that's what, what, what I mean about the Donald Glover video, too. Like, you can't just throw that together, you know? Yeah. No, it's definitely something that's, like, crafted. Mm-hmm. Whereas most stuff in the last few years, I'm sure blogs are the same, vlogs are the same, music videos, films, and everything. It all seems kind of, like, rushed. Yeah. Everything, you know, especially films. I even see with, with poetry, just, like, mm-hmm. I love a good, concise poem. Yeah. They're incredibly difficult to do well. Mm-hmm. Like, more so than longer poems. I think doing something that's, short and gets all of the sentiment and all of the emotion and it is profoundly yeah. difficult um but i uh like i see people thinking like oh it's just, it's easy because it's you know just a few lines i'm like no. because it's just writing yeah but also, like, I, I do think it's great as a practice because like there's no way to learn how to do it except to just like do well the, i was just thinking that that is the one good thing that comes out of this people doing it more like more often and every day is that they're that the uh, you know the chance of a great poem coming out of that like is pretty good if you do something yeah. you know so that is good but what it does is it just makes it really hard for the i guess the consumer or the viewer or you know for that person to like they have to stick with you with through all of that yeah you know and yeah i know there's super fans that don't care they love everything that's great like and that's awesome but i'm trying to figure out how you can do both we can still do things on the side that everybody likes but then you have these like major things that you hold back that you know are better. Than yes. every, you know what I mean? I remember when, when Amy Turn Sharp was doing her a, a poem a day for a year. Yeah. And like I talk about this thing all the time because it made me want to write. Because mm-hmm. I just knew that I could look forward to it every single day. Um, That's the great thing about it, yeah. And, but, and like I would say that every single one of her pieces was consistently good or even great. Yeah. Yeah. But there were a few that, like... You knew she had to put, it, put the time... Yeah. And I could tell that, like, either either she just, like, I don't know, like, channeled something that day, or maybe she had written... Right. And what I learned is that, like, sometimes I you write three or four poems a day, mm-hmm. and you only post one, you know, or whatever. Yeah. It's not like you're just writing one poem a day and then no. you consider it good, but, you know, you're doing a ton more than that. But I guess the new method now, well, what everybody been, everybody's been doing for a while is... Um, you put out everything and you let the audience decide as to what's your best and what they like. Yeah, but, you know? but people are dumb. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> audiences don't don't have... There's something... Yeah, I agree with you completely. There's something Joss Whedon who wrote... Uh, he wrote Buffy, uh, Angel, like big cult writer, you know? 
yeah. TV writer. He he once said something when I, when I was young, I was reading an interview and it kind of stuck with me. And he said, you know, you don't give the audience what they want. You give them yes. what they need. Yes. Right. And, and we are now in a place where I guess because finance and money and stuff, everybody's trying to figure out how to give the audience what they want, which yeah. is which is bad because what's happening is I think everything is turning into common denominator. Right, like I the agree. most common denominator, like you know, like poems about flowers, poems about love. They're gonna go right to the top, you know, because everybody relates or whatever. But it doesn't mean they're good. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's I've seen I um, I followed this like very mean snark site. It's like not my best quality. It's like totally a waste of time. <laughs> Um, that's like that's like that's like dudes and like or like people follow world star hip-hop <laughs> yes exactly so there's a snark site that that i go on and people just talk about like blogs or influencers or whatever that like yeah they yeah start out loving and then they start doing stuff that like generally you like starts to drive right. or whatever mm-hmm. um, or that's problematic and the other day under like the instagram thread it was like can we please take a moment to talk about instagram poets and everyone was like oh my god (laughs) oh shit (laughs) it gets a little too close to home right yeah but also like it was good because i i was able to look at like what people are finding it helps you adjust yeah what viewers and readers are like finding problematic and like that is one of those things it's just that like it's the same boring ass shit every day and yeah and i know that i get and you start to tune out like you don't even mean to yeah you see i think as a writer like you know when people love something and when people don't love something and you just like want to make stuff that people likes and like of course that's 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 every artist wants to do that whether they've made it or not exactly like Mm -hmm. the other day i had something that like did super well and like i had like a ton of engagement on and like mm-hmm. i was getting messages about how like much people loved it and then i turn around and then i write something else and it's like 12 likes you know, or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, i think everybody relates to that right now like it's so yeah. hard to unless you're like a supermodel on instagram like it's really hard to know why something is working or not working but what's really great like on one hand it's it's bad because nobody needs that much positive or negative reinforcement yeah. or encouragement in their life mm-hmm. especially when they're creating but it's also good because like it teaches you um you know like this is what's resonating with people right now or this is my strength and i'm over here worried about making something that like i don't even want to make and turns out people don't even like it anyway yeah so, you know, well I, um, I was i was reading something yesterday about like craftsmanship and mastering a craft right right and how how mastering a craft like really takes a lifetime and, yes. that, and that people now expect to, like, know it because they've watched a few YouTube videos and they're ready to go, you know? And it's, yes. like, it's like doing too many things also allows you not to master one particular thing, you know? Right. And so I think... Creates a master of none. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And I think this kind of, like, twi- Twitter, Instagram, like, like-driven, like, creativity or whatever is encouraging people to, like, you know, not be focused about one particular thing. You know, or, or like, or the thing they love and really master it. Instead, they're just throwing darts everywhere, you know? Yeah. Like, and, and it's, and then, and I've been guilty of it too. Like, I'm speaking, I'm speaking from experience. And I'm, and I'm realizing now that, like, that's kind of fear driven. And what you really got to do is buckle down, make the greatest thing you can make, at least for me, and put it out and then let that stand on its own instead of just being like, hey, here's something fast all the time. Yeah. That's, and, and I know that, like, 
I struggle with that too. I think all artists do. Where you're we just all like, do, yeah. I want to try a bunch of different things, but I also want to be exceptionally good at all of them. Mm-hmm. And, like, mm-hmm. and I think it's okay to try a bunch of things. You just got to yes. focus on one, you know? Like, like have one I still make just music. Like, yeah. Yeah, I think it just, it just, it, it helps you narrow. And I think also in this time, there's too many distractions. Like, I think more than ever, it's like, to me, distractions are traps. That's what I call traps, right? Like life is full of traps. And, mm-hmm. and you, 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 basically you're going through life trying to avoid them. And I think the way things are now, it's like there's so many traps. Like, for example, Instagram is a trap, right? Like, yeah. it's, like I call it a thirst trap. I heard somebody say that and I was like, that's exactly what it is. Or like, like you, all women. Like, what? Like, 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 like female photos, like the naked ones. That's what I mean. It's yeah. a thirst trap. Like what it is is like, you know, you're looking at it. You're just casually browsing. Before you know it, you just click, click, click. You're deep in thought doing something else, but you click, click, click. And now you've lost an hour. Yeah. Right? And it's like, I'm realizing that's, that's what a lot of, like, it's the, right now, 2018 is 100% the worst time for, like, traps and distractions. They're constantly everywhere. You can get lost into, like, temptations and to, um, you know, greed or, or even YouTube videos, whatever. You can get just lost all these down these tunnels yeah. and lose time. And I think... In a weird way, it's kind of like separating their, you know, like the, what do you call it? Truly like the devoted, yeah. Yeah, the herd, like it's thinning the herd a little bit, you know, because I'm realizing I'm readjusting, you're realizing you're readjusting. We're both working harder to try to like do the thing we want to do, whereas a lot of people are still chasing the gold rush, which is, like I said, over, I feel like. And so it helps, like you said, the good, the good ones stand out. I Absolutely. hope. I think that like one of the things I've done, like, so I just got back from a trip to see my family like that's right yeah yeah you were busy too (laughs) american south and like what i was able to do there because there's like no cell reception like anywhere yeah like not like one or two bars it literally yeah you just none um (laughs) is that i finished two books right and like yeah go on and it just was like unreal to me i was like holy shit i could be doing this at home but instead, I'm, like, dicking off on Instagram. Right, like, which is whatever. those distractions. Yeah, exactly. No, I noticed that, like, if I go anywhere where there's no cell phone reception, suddenly I'm, like, maybe for, like, a little bit, I feel a little, like, a junkie who's going through withdrawal, you know? Yeah, I'm, like, who am I? What is life? Yeah. Where am I? Like, where's, where's my phantom phone? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Just reaching for things that aren't there. And then, and then, um, and then um, after that, it just becomes, like, I've noticed, I don't even have to try. My brain automatically starts looking for other sources of entertainment or, yes. you know, like to keep myself occupied. And then books suddenly become like much more intriguing and, you know, because I have no other options. And I'm sure you did yeah, the same no, thing. I, it was so nice to be able to just like sit down mm-hmm. with a book and like be like deep in it without the constant pinging of my phone i mean and, and also also the constant because... wondering who's 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 saying what who's yeah yeah because like nobody's saying anything no and... which is true all the time <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> yeah so just nature is able to like reinforce that mm-hmm. like, which is um... good to know that like we don't our attention spans aren't actually that screwed like well, as soon as you're off it for a day it comes back because i was gone for about a week and um like as soon as my phone would like pick up reception again, mm-hmm. I turn it on and expect like this influx of like. Oh my god! I, everybody's and, like, been missing me, and they're probably wondering where I am. <laughs> yep, didn't was not a thing, not a thing. At no, all. because everybody's everybody's busy staring at their phone and like looking at their Twitter timeline. They don't even know you're gone. 
Yeah. And, I mean, and that's why, like, I deleted most of those, except for Instagram. All those apps are gone off my phone. And, like, yeah. I was just like, oh, like, I actually can just, like, hang out with the characters in this book because, like, I'm not I'm not that important. And that's, like, what disconnecting, like... And it kind of feels like being a kid again, right? Like, meaning, like, when you're a kid, you don't have those worries. You're just, like, in your own world. Yeah. And also, like, it reminded me, that, like, when I'm constantly yelling at my kid to, like, get off her tablet and go outside. Mm. You know? There's so, something like, to that. I need to do the same thing you know what's a good um, trick for like adults like I've, I've, I've done this and it's worked for me it's like what you said you know how you deleted the um you deleted the app yeah and what i do now is like if i if there's a day where i know i'm going to be using it fine it's on there but if I, now that i have like two or three days of work that i got to do yeah i delete it off there and then what happens uh, is when i need it again i put it back on but that habit of taking it on and off like legit deleting it for a few days and whatever um, it, it for some reason it reinforces a better relationship with with Twitter. Meaning, like when it is back on, I'm not on it all the time because, like, I realized my brain just figured out that being off it is just as good as being on it. Do you know what I mean? But I have yeah. to, I have to, I have to do it a few times. And then, then by like the third or fourth time, I like I did it. Basically, by the fourth time, my brain just kind of went, "Oh, like we don't have to do this anymore. I get it. But, like Twitter's not good." <laughs> yeah, it's like you're just retraining. You like research basically, yeah. By telling your brain that when it's when you don't have it, you're fine too, right? So, just go a few days without it, go, you know, and you're fine. It's just, I think it's like conditioning, you know. Exactly. Isn't it weird that we're talking like that, like as adults on a podcast, because we know everybody relates. Like it's, it's very sad. Yeah, it's like like we're all junkies. It's it's bizarre. They used to say that about TV, like everybody's TV junkies, but it's not even close to how it is now. We need like a dare program for the internet. I think that's going to happen. I really do. If you walk down the street and you look at everybody, everybody's staring at their phones. It never used to bother me, but lately I've been realizing, like, you know, once I realized that all the Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, like these companies, that they actually design these things to, like, be dopamine addictions. And you're just like, hey. <laughs> yeah, from that moment on, I just kind of, I start seeing it very differently. Now when I see people staring at a phone at a bus stop and stuff, I'm just like, ooh. This is... the, it's like pulling the needle out of their arm. That's exactly what it's like. You're like, hey. And, and I do it all the here. time. I, I, yeah. I'm the user all the time same well that's why like it was it's always interesting like going home to the south because like i love to pretend that i'm not from there right um, like me, yeah, me and my family um but then like when i get down there it's very different because people like and obviously this is just like rural tennessee so it's like you know not the not everybody's experience but like people that I interact with there are not tapped into these things the way that like I am when I'm home in New York or when I'm in Toronto. Right. Right. And so, um, like they want to like sit down and have a conversation. Like we were having a, like a family dinner the other night and we had all like finished like farm chores on my dad's farm and Mm -hmm. like run inside and it was raining and we like all sat down like had a car long table and it was pouring down rain outside and we had this like nice dinner and everybody was just like talking to each other and there was no phones. And I was oh, like, that's the best. I was like, what is happening? And it reminded me of like the nineties because like, yeah. it was the last time that like, which is, like which is, happened. you know, it was like almost 20 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> don't sure. think about that. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, like it, it was a different time. Like every now and then I have to remind like a young and my kids, I have to remind them that like, you know, when I'm talking about the past or talking about something that like happened when I was younger or something, they're like, you like there was no internet. 
yeah. you know, like there was no like smartphone. So like, you know, why did you just do this? Well, it didn't exist, you know? Yeah. And, and it's so strange. Like I've met friends when like my map quest directions were the printout was yeah, and, like, I got, yeah. And like, I got lost and had to stop and I met like a barista and like, that doesn't happen anymore. No, because, like, I think about that all the time when quest. I'm, when I'm driving and using maps on the phone, I'm always thinking mm-hmm. that you remember like when you didn't have this and like, cause you know, I'll be like going somewhere and it's, it's directing me. I've never been before. And I'm totally relaxed. I know like, you know, the phone's going to get me there. Right. Yeah. I'm driving. But like, I remember being younger and like that didn't exist and you like had your map and that's it. And you had your sense of direction, you know? Yeah. And if, if you got lost, like you said, you had to pull over to a gas station or something, you know? And there's so many things now that we just don't do anymore that, um, I don't even know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, there are some things that are, that are, that are super great and helpful and there are other things I'm just like, ah. Um, it's like the cumulative effect of everything. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I think GPS on my phone is, like, the thing that helps me most in life. Right. Me too. Um, no, Jen, I don't disagree. I think it, it changed people's lives, to be honest. I, I actually think a lot of millennials are more confident than Gen Xers when they, were, when they were the same age because you guys have all this technology that orients you in the world. Like, it orientates you, you know? It helps you, yeah. Yeah, whereas we were much more wild and, like, just trying to figure it out. Like, I'm saying at that age when you were, like, you know, in your, like, teens early 20s you know yeah yeah i uh i'm actually just thinking now about how like i haven't needed a road atlas since i probably started to learn how to drive and like in college i had like you know my cell phone uh it was starting to get gps and stuff like that so i didn't like really need it um but like somehow i always end up with a road atlas in in every new car that i get and it's 100 percent like my dad that I don't have it, and then buying one and then throwing it in the trunk. Right. And I'm like, who the fuck puts Your dad probably doesn't use GPS as much because he's like, you know, he probably has a really great sense of direction. and Yeah, he just has this like Mm -hmm. built-in sense of direction. Yeah, my my dad would have been the same, yeah. Exactly. It's like a different breed. They just... (laughs) No, it's true. Like, they figured it out when they were young because they had to because there was no maps. There was none of that stuff that, you know, in, in their phone. And then it's just a muscle they have that, like, when I was a kid, my dad used to always get upset at me because, like, I couldn't figure out, like, how to get somewhere that I'd just been last week, you know? Right. And, and I, I realized it's because my – because I was kind of, like, really raised on, like, you know, like, TV and, and like, an information diet, you know? Yeah. And I didn't have to think about these things. And so glad that when I got older, GPS came around, saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know I still, like, lose my car, like, in the, every single parking lot ever. So, right, right. Like, no hope for me, you know? Don't um, – Though I will say that, like, having GPS and, like, not having to think about that stuff and, you know, just going to places constantly, knowing you're going to get there and just being relaxed about it, it has somehow improved my sense of direction. I will say that it definitely frees up my brain to think about other things, for sure. Yeah. But but I've noticed even when I don't have GPS, like, I'm good at going, like, okay, just go north, go south. Like, like and it has to do with just being relaxed because you you've, haven't worried about this for so long. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder if a lot of it's just being nervous when you're a kid when you don't have GPS, you know? Right. Just like not knowing how to, mm-hmm. how to find your way in the world figuratively and literally. So, uh, so what have you been watching lately? Any any recommendations? Um, yeah, I do have something. Um, well, there's a couple of things. I, I caught up on something which people are going to laugh at me about because it's like a year old or something. Okay. Um, it's... So Neil Bloomkamp is the director of uh, a movie called District Nine. 
I don't know if you've seen it. Okay. It's from like, I would say probably 10 years ago or so. Peter Jackson produced it. It was uh, like an alien invasion movie. It, everybody thought, okay, whatever, it'll be cool. But it was amazing. <laughs> like, it was Is this just, the it, South Africa one? Yeah, that one. I knew a thing. Okay, yes, so, I do know what you're talking about. So you do know yes. of it, yeah. Yeah, it it was like a real like breath of fresh air of like really kind of like visceral action filmmaking, but with like cool themes and stuff, you know, and ideas. Mm-hmm. And then he went on and made a bunch of other movies. Like he made a he made Elysium with Matt Damon, and he made Chappie with Dev Patel. And mm-hmm. and he has like a real voice and stuff. Now Elysium didn't really do well, and it's not that great of a movie. It looks amazing, but it's not that great. And then um, mm-hmm. Chappie actually I thought was really great, even though it got mixed reviews. But my point is, he's like the sci-fi action like. You know, God, I would say, of okay. the current generation, you know? Um, and it's just because he's got a very unique style. Anyway, he started his own studio called Oats a couple of years ago, maybe a year ago or so. Okay. And they started putting out short films, sci-fi short films, that they produced themselves. They put them out for free. Mm-hmm. And they put the assets out with it, meaning like the models, the you know, like the monster models, the... Uh, the futuristic, all the sci-fi stuff, they put it out, including the film and the audio, so you can remix it. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I just found it. I'm starting to look into it. I just like the idea of it a lot. I don't think it's been as successful as they'd hoped. Right. I just found it, so like I, I would have promoted it if I'd known, but it hasn't, hasn't been as successful as they hoped. But what I like about it is if you go to it, there's, there's, there's so many shorts, and you can really learn from what they did, like how they tried to approach, like, putting out free movies for people where the crowd would watch it and decide which movie they like and vote it up. And then that movie might get produced into a feature film through their studio. Interesting. Like we were just talking about, like one of the benefits or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They tried to kind of like create a system there for themselves, you know, and it hasn't worked out the way they want it because it's really hard to get attention in this crowded, same thing we were saying, like how crowded it is right now. Yeah. And, but I think it's a really interesting experiment. And if you like sci-fi and kind of like, you know, um, I guess creativity. You know, without mm-hmm. with, without without the without the filter of a, like a, like a big what do you call it like a major studio. These guys are just doing everything yeah. themselves. Then you should definitely check them out. That was super dope. I thought. Um, so if nobody knows about it, it's Oat Studios. Look it up. It's on YouTube. All the videos and stuff are on YouTube. Love it. Uh, I think okay. Dakota Fanning is in one of the shorts. So it's Sigourney Weaver. Um, okay. And then there was one more thing that I saw. Which is again older. Oh yeah, I saw. I rewatched uh, Two Days in a Valley, which is an old movie from the '90s. During the you know when Quentin Tarantino was like killing it. Okay. There was a whole wave of Quentin Tarantino movies. Like meaning, I thought he only had like four movies. No, he only had four movies. What happened is it was like he created a whole wave in the '90s of other directors like trying to mimic what he's doing. There was a lot of like fake Reservoir Dogs, fake Pulp Fiction. None of them really are like you don't really remember a lot of them except for two or three that actually were decent. Okay. And this is the one. This is one of the ones that was decent. It was called Two Days in the Valley. It's been directed by a guy named John Hertzfall. He wrote it too, and it's starring Charlize Theron. I think in her very first American role. It's also like okay. why she got noticed. Like she's playing like the sex pot, you know, like the femme right. fatale. And she's literally like I would I would never say this about a femme fatale type role, like a sex pot type role, but she's amazing. Like, Interesting. Like you're like you watch her. And you're like not only is she beautiful and all that, but she's like. You see, you see the intelligence and like the like she's an actress, you know. And right after that, she blew up. Like she started getting a whole bunch of roles. And I remember that, like when it first came out, I was like, "This girl's gonna be huge." And that sounds and, like it would interest even me. Yeah, I think you'd like it because what it is, it's a bunch of different characters 
that on one night in the valley or two days in the valley you're basically having their own problems you don't understand how it connects and then slowly over the course of the story you start fig- like it starts all come together and okay. and it's about hitman and like hollywood agents and it's just it's almost like a comb brother but it's very funny, and Danny Aiello, who's the who's one of the main characters, and is this older Italian actor who was in um, "Do the Right Thing" with Spike Lee. He was the uh, the he owned the um, the pizza store where like everything goes down at the end of that movie. Okay. He was like the racist pizza store owner, but uh, he's one of the main guys in this movie, and he's amazing. Like I've forgotten how good he is, and I know you haven't seen it. I'm kind of just like talking at you, but. Like my enthusiasm to show you how good these are. <laughs> like you should check these out. I will check these out because I've I've recently gotten into that sort of thing. Um, yeah, you like catching up on old movies and stuff. Well, and also like I don't know, like slightly more like I don't know, violence, which is like not my thing at all. And no, it like isn't. Um, no, you're right. I've noticed that it isn't really your thing, but you have been kind of getting into it. Yeah, I think that I. Um, like my recommendation, actually, this kind of feeds like directly into this, mm-hmm. um, is a book by ah, oh, uh, I can't remember his name. Anyway, so <laughs> oh, look who's not prepared now! No, 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 no! I know what I'm prepared for. So he's shut the hell up. He's half Cherokee, um, half white, and he goes by Yellowbird, but he has another name. And anyway, it's oh, John. Okay. Rollin Ridge, thank you very much. There the book you go. is The Life and Adventures of Joaquin Murrieta. Oh, you and... told me about this. This sounded really interesting. Yeah. I almost and wish so... you wouldn't talk about it in this podcast so nobody would find out about it and I could keep the rights to myself. Okay. Uh... <laughs> continue, continue. I'm joking. Sorry about that. I don't have the rights. <laughs> um, um, but so it was the only book that he ever wrote. And I kind of wanted to read something. Um, not to get super political, but that, like, had kind of, like, a, a Mexican anti-hero uh, who, like, sticks it to the white American. Is that, and, wait, is that what you were thinking when you searched it out? <laughs> or you just I came across I, it and you were like, oh, I'm in the mood for this? <laughs> no, I came across it and I was like, oh, my God, I didn't think something like this would exist. Right. I'm going to read it. Um, <laughs> I came across it because uh, uh, Penguin just recently read the cover of it. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, that's right, I saw it. I, saw, mm-hmm. I got an email, and uh, the image was, like, really beautiful, and I was like, what is this? I've never heard of this. Um, and, hold on, can you actually pause this? I'm suddenly really sick. Okay, yeah. And I'll, I'll just start it over, yeah. Okay, I'll call you. Alright, bye. And we're back. I'm back. Um, see, my... My theory is that that was karma for treating me badly earlier. Um, the difference is that uh, you deserved it and I didn't because I'm on three different antibiotics right now. Um, don't go swimming in a in a southern swimming hole. Um, right, the South is great, but but yeah, like don't like mess with like. <laughs> questionable water sources and leeches because you might end up on three different antibiotics uh stick to your stomach well uh, i say we just leave this in because it's relatable it's not like (laughs) it's it's not like i haven't been there (laughs) i was like trying to be super professional and i was like i'm gonna talk about this thing that i love and then i was like nope i'm definitely gonna vomit um (laughs) well i was i was gonna edit it out but i'm like this is kind of fun (laughs) um leave it on in there anyway um yeah where were we 
Marietta. That's is... right. So he is actually yeah. Describe the, the the actual story of the book that you. So were... he's a real yeah. he was a real person in like the eighteen fifties. Um, is like the general time frame, mm-hmm. um, and he was a Mexican who like always wanted to live in America was like in love with like the American West and the California gold rush and all of that. And he came to the States and um, like really experienced a lot of brutal racism. Right. Um, at the hands of like white Americans. Um, mm-hmm. And after a few like particularly like terrible experiences, um, which it details in the book, uh, he decides to like take revenge, and but but when you say like bad experiences, like you're talking about like you know having family members hurt or killed or yes, oh, I right, yes. Okay. and I won't give it away, but in, yeah, in, it's like very kind of like. Uh, but that is the hook of the the story. That yes, he was hurt, so he sought revenge. And didn't you it's say like very Tarantino style like trauma? Right, um, and didn't you say that? maybe Zorro was based on it? Yes. So this, the idea of like the story of Zorro is like roughly based on this real person. Inspired um, by maybe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's and, really interesting to me. And it's interesting to me because like, like this book, it even says on it that like it is, a, he's like a well-known, like, you know, uh, not hero, anti-hero. I don't know what you folk, call it. Folk hero? Folk hero, yeah, that's mm-hmm. accurate. Yeah. Um, through, like, Mexico and Chile and, you know, but, like, I've never heard of him. We'll just go yeah, to me either. Americans and, like, they, they probably try to edit this guy out, right? Um, well, well, especially since, like, Zorro was such a big thing, like, all around yes. the world, really, right? That so you Zorro... would assume that we would know that it was inspired by some, like, a legend that is so similar. It's not even, like... You know, it's not even like, what's the point of bringing this guy up? It's so different. No, it's like, it's so similar. And, and Zorro was actually one of the very few shows that I was allowed to, that was a secular yeah. show mm. that I was allowed to watch growing up. Um, yeah, Zorro was always kind of like healthy. Like my parents would let me, let us watch it too when we were kids. Yeah, like the 90s. There's like a 60s mm-hmm. one and there's a 90s one. And I love um, The and- movie you're talking about. Yeah, the movie was great. Yeah. And... Um, so yeah, I would just like started reading it. And it's like a really like not my sort of thing. It's like mm-hmm. very violent. Um and, and also like the characters like really love how violent they are. Like they Is really it a true story? story? Like is it told like a true story or is it told like a like a like a novel? Meaning like it's fictional. It's, so th- he literally writes it as somebody who um like knew him. He's like, uh. I'm relaying I am relaying the story. That's kind of how it starts out. Like I'm relaying the stories of the now famous like Joaquin Miranda, right. uh, that's and cool. Blah blah blah, and because he himself, so like John Rowland Ridge, who Yellowbird was half Cherokee, I believe, mm. um, was kind of ostracized by white society as well because he was half the Latin. writer. Yes, the mm-hmm. writer, and so he ended up like becoming very close friends with like Mexican Americans and Mexicans living in California at right. the time. So, um, so do you think that like, oh, you know that the story, like he's trying to represent a truth, like as close as possible, or is he like super fictionalizing it? Make, do you know what I mean? The stuff that I have looked up appears to be true. Yeah. Yes. 
Um, so, and like I said, Penguin just, just kind of redid the cover and stuff. I bought the, you can buy the new one from like Penguin Books. It's like 18 bucks. Mm-hmm. I got this from Thrift Books for $2. You showed so, me the older cover. I actually liked it better. Even though the new one's cool. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. The new one's beautifully mm-hmm. done, but yeah. I kind of like. Um, More authentic, older cover. Yeah. Apparently he was like an incredibly beautiful man. Really? But, yes. So like he was so beautiful that he would go into like these towns and people would he would like literally sit down um and and like have a drink or gamble in these like california towns and people would have no idea that it was him such a nice guy um and and so handsome and women loved him and all these things right and that when he was committing his crimes he was usually disguised so he was um most disguised when he was like himself and he was uh, he was violent too when he was committing his crimes right like it was he wasn't just like what do you call it pg uh revenge like bandit no yeah. so he started a lot of his like incredibly violent crimes were committed by his um like the guys in his crew i guess you could say yeah in his, in his gang. because the thing is that he's got he, meek he mill syndrome like a well-to-do family and had a very good upbringing and was incredibly smart and like very kind and loving mm. but he was done so dirty yeah yeah that it made him which is like vengeful but he apparently like he never lost um like lost it. so there's this one story it's the only one i'll tell you where like he is about to rob a um like a boat mm-hmm. that has it's carrying all this gold um, and so he has to hold up the, the captain. He's like, give me all your money. And the captain only has like a hundred bucks on it. Mm-hmm. And Joaquin's like, you don't have, like, if this is really all you have, then I want you to keep this. And he literally gives him more. Oh, wow. That, that's all, like, yeah. Just takes all the just... gold and then, and then leaves him. And there were usually if there were cases of like extreme brutality um, to somebody who like hadn't directly done him wrong. Um, it was something that was carried out by one of his right. like, gang members. Yeah. Well, when you tell me the story, it um, like it really fascinates me, which is, you know, it's rare, like hearing some old story. Yeah, it's cool. But this one sounds like, why don't we know about this? You know, yeah. or why hasn't it been made into some kind of film other than Zorro? But um, it also reminds me of Robin Hood, you know? Yes, there's, I mean, he, there's definitely, like, not as much kindness as, like, Robin Right, Hood. right. Um, but also maybe, but, like, a more violent and rougher area or, like, circumstance that he came up in. Yes, and I think, I think what's, what's interesting for me is, like, given what we're seeing in America right now. The and parallels. We're seeing on the border. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, I really... Um, like a Mexican... Like I yeah, I just really wanted to hear a story about somebody who not like, super dope. Fucking, yeah, came back and also like it it also worries me because I'm like, look at these like ch- the brutalization of these kids in these in these borders. Well, yeah, you're right because essentially the book is about a terrorist, right? Right. <laughs> like how um, how he became one. How he became one. Like mm-hmm. what on earth is going to happen to these families and these children like mm-hmm. long term? Mm-hmm. And like what are we doing as a society to undo like? these sorts of horrors because i'm reading this book about this man that these happened to like as an adult not even as a child and i'm thinking yep every single one of these people deserved this right Um, yeah and i'm not the kind of person who reads this sort of thing or or enjoys these kinds of stories of course but i think when the stakes um, are high and the stories are like about truth and but also you say you don't enjoy these but like 
as you get older, you seek out different material, you know, yeah. like I, as I started getting older, I started getting more into like, you know, grown up stuff where like the stakes were high and there were life and death. And, you know, like, like, I don't know if I get so excited about whether or not that couple is going to fall in love, you know? <laughs> right. Yes. And I like, I like, I like that too, but yeah. I like when our ideas of what is good yeah. and what is moral are challenged and this book. That's what adult uh, content really is. That. Yeah. But it also was like adventurous too, right? They're just like great. riding out in America. Yeah, no, it sounds so cinematic. It sounds like something that could be a movie. And by the way, other filmmakers listening, hands off. This is mine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's what got me excited that this could potentially be something down the line. Like yeah, no, something you'd want on, to do passionately. Um, you know? It's also not, it's not that long. It's like a pretty quick read. It's like maybe 150 pages. Um, oh, that's so, cool. I'll read it when, when you come. Bring it with you. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely definitely have it. So, Anything that else? My recommendation. That's it. We're good. I think that's it right now. You know, all I'm right. just trying not to not throw up again. So. <laughs> good. All right. Next week we'll be back. <laughs> throw up free. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yes. and no and with real with with continuation of season two, like that we started previous podcast. Yeah, because I'll be in Toronto and I'll make yeah, sure we'll, that you get done. Yeah, you can literally yeah. just like come and get me. <laughs> Record in person, yeah. live. And I'll try, and I, and I will try to be more aware and try to be more uh, on time. I'm lying, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the lie. Lie to the people that want to hear. Come on, want to hear. All right. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye.